Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Thrifty Marketer Podcast. Today we will be chatting with Prady Upala. Prady is a multimedia personality and entrepreneur based out of Los Angeles. She is an expert in the area of geopolitics, international diplomacy, U.S.-India relations, religion, and peace. As an international speaker she has taken part in several elite summits such as WEF, Women's Economic Forum, University of Zurich, Wellness Dubai 360, and many more. As a certified Dharma ambassador, she also writes and speaks on spirituality, religion, Vedic philosophy, feminism and Dharma. Let's go. We have a special guest, so uh, we have to adjust to her timings, etc., etc. So today we are going to, you know, it's COVID-19 and everybody has been, uh, you know, going through their own share of struggles and things like that. And we were all wondering, you know, thinking about what is the purpose of our life, right? Many of us are thinking about where are we headed and things like that. So today, uh, you know, we are going to talk about a different topic which is spirituality in modern times uh, to discuss that we have the perfect person with us we have Preeti Upala with us she is a lot of things okay so I'm, I'm super excited that she decided to join us and she is a entrepreneur she is a media personality uh, she has uh, you know she was uh, she's an actress uh, she has been Miss India International. Uh, she's a global brand ambassador. She's she, she has a lot of things. So she's a former investment banker from Australia, right? She right now she's a multimedia personality and entrepreneur based of, based off out of Los Angeles. Uh, she's a political editor for the Observer and a columnist for Foreign Policy News, Jerusalem Post Times of Israel, and many more. Her expertise falls in the area of geopolitics, international diplomacy, conflict resolution counterterrorism, Middle East politics, religion, and peace, etc. She, as an international speaker, she has had the privilege. She has spoken at various summits like WEF, World Economic Forum, Horus's Racing and Dialogues, University of Zurich, Wellness Dubai 360, IFSEC, India, and many more. She has spoken at various international think tanks, including the prestigious Observer Research Foundation in Delhi, BRICS International and Center for Humanity Prosperity. She's a certified Dharma ambassador. So we will be talking a lot about all those topics. Uh, it's, it's a very tricky subject. We all have no idea what it encompasses and what it has, what it means to follow Sanatana Dharma. So she's going to take us through. She's She writes and speaks about spirituality, religion, Vedic philosophy, feminism, and Dharma. She is writing a book on feminism, which will be published soon. So without further ado, let's bring on Preeti. Namaste, hey. everyone. How are you? I'm... Can you... Um, my video is upside down. Can you... Uh, is that what you can see or can you see it yeah. properly? No, no. You need to turn it clockwise or anti-clockwise. Uh, I don't know how to do that. It right. never works like this. One second, let me. Uh, okay, you you're not able to do that. I don't know. Uh, hang on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could. I what I could do is turn it this way. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. It it won't be. Uh, 
wide yeah. angle, but as long as this works, it's good. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Preeti, for joining me today. I'm so sorry. Okay, I was I I, I got a little bit delayed. That's why I I was a bit of a fumbling with the words, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because I was rushing into this, and my internet suddenly had some issues and th things like that. I'm so sorry about that. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me. Uh, we, we are trying a new time. Normally, the show happens today at evening 8 p.m. So today it's 8.30 uh, a.m. Uh, morning in Gurgaon right now. So thank you for joining me. And, uh, you know, this is a show we I started uh, just to get people some bit of motivation and inspiration uh, as we are all going through COVID-19 and things like that. So uh, I'm excited to hear from you all about spirituality because it's a subject which uh, gets a lot of eyebrows raised and people get rather uncomfortable when talking about it and all that so uh, uh, shall we start yes namaste uh, vivek and namaste to your wonderful audience thank you so much for having me on your show it's an extremely interesting day today i'm just happy that i can hear you you can hear me but i have technical <laughs> difficulties earlier i'm just it's music to my ears that we can connect and I'm just in the present moment. And I think this comes back to our topic of right. the, the spiritual process, which is the only thing that matters in the end is your peace of mind, uh, your happiness, and also uh, how connected you are with the world outside of you. So it's Absolutely. a testament to that. Absolutely. So I have some uh, 10 to 12 questions curated for you. Uh, it's about you, your journey, as well as the today's topic. So uh, I will I will sh uh, ask you one by one, and you can take it up as it comes. Cool. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, you know, I was I, when I was looking at your profile, I think you have done a variety of things, and you have you have you know you have wore a lot of hats in your life. You know, be it an investment banker or a media personality or an entrepreneur or an actress. The list goes on. So uh, I want to know who is. So that's that's a billion dollar question, right? Because I'm not I'm not I'm not the titles, I'm not the identity, I'm not my various roles. I mean, right. my life story is quite interesting. I grew up in the Middle East, of all places. I lived there and then moved to Europe and then Australia and then the U.S. Um, oh, and wow. I've taken a little bit from all of these places. Um, my I, my, I started life as a as an investment banker and then moved into management consulting before I gave that up and decided to trade that and um, get into the entertainment industry. And now I've morphed, uh, evolved even from that. And I'm into media and uh, politics and uh, uh, speaking and writing and all of that good stuff. So, uh, but none of these things are... Um, you know who I am. They don't define me. They're just, I think, things that I do. I'm obviously a big a proponent of dharma. I think uh, we should, we all have a dharma in in life. That's why we're here. And you're meant to, at least in the spirituality that I practice and understand, you're meant to perform your dharma, uh, so that ultimately your dharma can take you to moksha in the end, uh, coupled with sadhana, which is the spiritual practice and the knowingness that everything is love and that we're all connected, right? That's right. really uh, the main reason for existence, so to speak, in a very simple sentence. Um, right. So, you know, my dharma is to inspire and empower people through my work and presence. 
and I really feel that I do that. So whether it's a uh, article that I've written or the book that I'm writing or my many talks and lectures or speeches, um, and also with the, my Hollywood project, I am developing uh, more sort of spiritual kind of a, a, a show. And of course, I have my podcast and radio show. So all of these, the foundation is very much uh, the spiritual pursuits, you know, and the spiritual journey and the importance of that. So that's really who I am. You know, uh, I am a spiritual being having a, a uh, physical experience here on Earth. But I think the important thing to know is that you have to perform your karma. You have to perform the action. It's not about just meditating on the top of a hill somewhere, or it's not just about waiting for life to happen to you. You have to uh, take the step and do the most that you can do, do the best that you can do. Then alone are you actually progressing on the spiritual path. So I strive right. to do that every day. I keep, I try to keep grounded, and I keep, try to keep focused on the ultimate goal. And you know, uh, the world is a, a lila, which is a divine play. We're all actors here. We have our part. We have our alliance. Our job is to um, perform them to the best of our abilities. We always have free will. We have incredible freedom to to live life on our terms, and we must do that. But I think always take the right path, right? So, so that's who I am. Uh, things that I do, I try to ask myself, is this something for my highest good? And is there going to be any good that's going to come out of this for the world at large? And if the answer is a yes, then uh, then I, I will proceed. If the answer is a no, I usually take a hike and go find the next project, you know. So right. I, my instincts have guided me well, I think, in my life. And I, I try to be uh, more than what I was yesterday. Right, right. So whatever interaction I have had with you uh, in such a short period of time, I, I can see that you are a person who walks the talk. Every every sentence which uh, every reply you send or every uh, comment you make it it has a it has your touch to it. you know you you talk from that uh, you know straight from the heart kind of person and uh, it's always about the right thing for the for the person who is opposite to you so it's it's always you know that kind of empathy I've always uh, seen from your interactions fantastic. So I think I think it, this is going to be very interesting because spirituality uh, and uh, dharma, meditation, all these are things which are very close to my heart. Also, uh, even though I am not a pract uh, avid practitioner of any of those practices, I should be, but I am not. So this is going to be an eye opener for me as well as a lot of people who are going to watch it now or later as well. All right. So that's that's pretty uh, clear explanation of who. You are not the not the roles you're playing, but you are a spiritual being. All right. So my next question is: You are a big proponent of spirituality, religion, and Vedic philosophy, right? So those those are very deep subjects. You know, those are those are not subjects which people will be comfortable even discussing for five minutes. If if I do that in office, I'm pretty sure people will stop talking to me after a couple of days. So how did you become? Uh, so much engrossed in the subjects. I know. I know that you have so much of knowledge on these subjects. Already become a proponent of these topics. Well, I think the, the the cheesy answer would be that I'm an old soul, and I've <laughs> done this before. And from a very very young age, I sort of uh, kind of was on the path. And it's true. I'm very lucky and very fortunate to have been. Uh, you know, obviously as a Hindu, I do believe in reincarnation. 
So I, I'm uh, privileged and honored and, and blessed to have been reincarnated um, uh, to the family that I that I was because my parents are very spiritual people. So they instill that uh, pursuit of knowledge and also their uh, practices from a very, very young age. Uh, although I wasn't immersed in it, uh, I could see that uh, they were into it. And I did learn things and I observed my you know, father getting up at 4 a.m. and doing yoga. I mean, he's a very spiritual person, and he's also pretty religious. He reads all the all the shastras and he does all the pujas and stuff. And I always found it fascinating. I I did you I love going to temples even as a young child, and I would go with him to many different temples. And although we've always lived overseas, we always, you know, there was always a beautiful big temple somewhere. Um, and we always frequented that. So that was very peaceful for me. So um, for me, what happened was in my mid twenties, let's say when I was fed up with my corporate life and I um, decided to uh, sort of, I, I knew something wasn't right. That's when my, uh, I had a spiritual awakening, so to speak. And somebody uh, quite randomly guided me to a meditation center and asked me to meditate, to listen to my inner voice which I started doing and my life changed quite dramatically because I, for the first time I could hear my inner soul, my inner voice speaking to me. And, uh, and I had a lot of strong visions when I meditated. So I'm one of those intense meditators that has very intense experiences. Um, I just have to close my eyes and I go very deep. And so I'm lucky in that way because people can't seem to get to that point. I, I go there immediately. Um, so, so that was good, you know, once I got on that uh, journey, so, it, you know, in early 20s is fairly young, you know, and then I started going to many spiritual centers, then I started going to many ashrams around the world, meeting gurus, getting Shakti Pad, being initiated, uh, checking out, seeing what their philosophies are, and I took the best I could from all the modalities, and I also tried other modalities, too, that are not within the Vedic framework, like Sufi work, and um, all sorts of, you know, like uh, non-religious, I guess, uh, different energy healing and so on. And they all help a little bit. But I think as you get uh, deeper into your practice, and then I started, uh, then I got into astrology and Ayurveda and all of that. Again, all of these things took me, I think, to our roots. You know, because what I find in a lot of Indian Americans or Indian Australians, but especially the Indian Americans, they're so far removed from their own culture and lineage. You know, you ask them any question, they don't know these things, which they should. And in fact, sometimes you meet uh, your Caucasian American people who are sort of hippie type or spiritual, who know a lot more about India and Vedic philosophy than even the Indians themselves. And I think that is very sad. And I think that is so shameful. It's not okay. I think uh, 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 this tradition needs to be cherished or else um, 50 years from now, it'll, it won't be there. It's existed 6,000 years or, or more, but I think uh, it's um, very much at the brink uh, sort of, of evaporating or just getting morphed into something else unless we you know, really uphold it. Uh, but I, the deeper I got into my spiritual practice, I you know, uh, started reading different uh, Vedic texts, uh, listening to different uh, Vedic gurus and my understanding deepened. Uh, so it, it all sort of came together for me. And uh, America, believe it or not, is a great place. There's a lot of 
sort of yoga studios here. There's a lot of spiritual um, meditation places. There are some genuine gurus. Then there's a lot of half-baked stuff that goes on too. Uh, it's all there. It's the Pandora's box, I think, here in, in California. But I'm pretty privileged. I know some good people, genuine speakers. And um, if you are a true speaker, I think the teacher will always come and your knowledge will always be presented to you. So uh, a lot of my um, immersion, I think, is through self-study, you know, reading a lot, going to different uh, darshans and different, uh, uh, going to uh, see different um, teachers speak. And now, actually, with the, uh, you know, technology, uh, you don't need to physically go somewhere. I think the knowledge is out there. I think you just need to know where to look, because I think a lot of people, a lot of so-called seekers are actually looking in the wrong places and they're not finding it or they find something but and they think it's the it's the truth but it's not so one needs to be very careful about these things but i think i've been very guided and blessed on my journey fantastic i'm pretty sure you will impact a lot of people because the kind of journey you have been uh, you have gathered a lot of insights and knowledge on these subjects and i'm pretty sure people like me obviously would love to you know, hear more from you and understand the basic concept because uh, somewhere I, I used to be very spiritual in my childhood days because I was in a hostel and there was a temple next to the hostel. So literally we used to live in that temple, do everything in the temple, cleaning the temple, uh, praying all the time. I, I can say that. So, but, but along the journey, uh, my in-laws, my parents, everybody complained that I've lost that touch. Uh, I stopped praying and things like that. So yeah, this is this is a real eye opener for me uh, to be because uh, I have heard the saying which you said that when you are ready, the teacher will appear. All right, so maybe uh, I am not ready yet. <laughs> I have yet to find my teacher. But fantastic! I I love the uh, kind of journey you have taken, and I'm so glad that I I could get a chance to speak to a person like you uh, and hear more about it. All right. So my next question will be, you know, uh, we all speak about finding one's purpose in life it's a hot topic you know whenever whenever we meet uh, this mostly happens either two scenarios one is when people are in proper consciousness and they're talking about it deep subjects is one of this is finding life purpose otherwise if you meet up with some friends everybody gets a little bit drunk this topic might come up you know what is life's purpose and things like that it, it's a very tricky subject nobody has clue about it. So what is what is your advice on that and how can somebody really is it if it's possible how can somebody really find the purpose of his or her life wow so the uh one of the most important um uh you know facets of, of life is dharma you know why are we here what is your gift to the world why did you incarnate why are you here on uh this planet um there's a beautiful saying um I forget who, who who said it, but it goes um, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you realize why. Wow. And most people never get to hear about the why. They, yes. they live their whole life and they don't know that why. But trust me, when when you do have that moment where, where you realize what that why is, you are ecstatic, you're elated, you could just scream. Uh, in the middle of the street because it's joyous and you know and you know in your heart you know it's the right thing it's not a inter intellectual thing it's a, a, a something very very deep and uh, instinctive 
you know so i think dharma is, is so important to find out not everybody is going to have some elaborate dharma to change the world i think some people's the dharma might just be to be a teacher or just to uh, you know raise two healthy children and or uh, you know work in the do your seva you maybe you know you meet people and they've been doing uh, volunteer service for 30 40 years you know that's their dharma that that's how they uh, that's their gift to the world and then the, right. of course they are the the movers and the shakers they are the the change makers the people who have the capacity to change the world and affect them and touch them with their presence and their um power and their truth you know uh, those right. are far and few in between but um, i think uh, my suggestion to people is uh, how you find out about your dharma is, is definitely meditation you have to listen to your inner voice and listen to your heart i know it sounds very mushy mushy but it it really is the real thing the, the more you meditate i think the you get flashes you get um voices that tell you things and you get feelings and or you think about something uh, about a particular profession or a a job or a project and then look at the feeling that that elicits and uh, you will know whether you should go that way or not so there's many different ways on how silence and breathing and meditation can maybe take you to a uh, purpose you know but also uh, obviously if you are lucky enough to meet a real enlightened master ascended master these people usually have they're very intuitive and when they see people they usually have a, a good idea of what the person is supposed to be doing and if you get right. obviously if you are uh, if you get close to them and they know you over a period of time they'll usually have a one on one with you where they tell you you know this is where what you should do and so on if you're into astrology of course astrology also has uh, i would say uh, some guidelines it can direct you or it can tell you what the blueprint is saying you don't you the beautiful thing about astrology is that you have free will you can walk away from it but you do there are some predestined um scenarios that will present themselves you know and that really is written in the stars so um if you're into that i think that can help uh but i think most important is the, the the meditation aspect you know knowing because you you have to clear your mind you have to be at peace in your heart and then your body your mind uh, inner voice will tell you what makes you happy and what your gifts are and how you can contribute so it all comes and sometimes you set like in my case i i set path on one um journey and then it sort of took me somewhere else completely where i didn't think i would end up and i trusted the process the most fearless thing i've done in my life is to just go with the flow and in my life it's been very nebulous it's been go most people i think would not have gone with the flow the way i did uh, mm-hmm. because how drastic some of the steps i took were moving to the other side of the world giving something very lucrative up you know and jumping into a, a bit into the abyss not knowing what uh, on the other side you know so uh but they have served me well you know i think the reward is always at the end of the fear and um, and the risk so it worked out so so i think my suggestion is uh meditate and listen to yourself and the the dharma will it will sort of show itself Right, right. All right. That's a very, very elaborate and very clear advice. So anyway, I have, I have a follow-up question on meditation later down the list. All right. So, uh, you know, this, this, this. 
times are tough, right? We, we are all bombarded with technology, uh, work pressure, traffic, issues with the neighbors. The modern life is bombarded with so many distractions and so many things. So is it possible even today, you know, in during these modern times, is it possible to lead a spiritual life? That is question number one. Question number two is, if it's possible, what are some of the best practices you recommend? If somebody wants to lead a spiritual life in these times, what are the best practices you recommend? Great. I think it's not only uh, easy to lead a, a, a spiritual life, I think it's necessary. I think post-COVID, we have seen that one of the only, um, firstly, the only thing important is that spiritual journey because we've seen the world around us literally crumble right in front of our eyes. And I did that it's not looking pretty, it's not going to get better anytime soon. It, in fact, we are, there's more, uh, more chaos, I think, waiting for us. Uh, and, but I look at different frameworks and I think that the dharmic framework really is the only one that um, has stood the test of time and will take us through the future. So I'm so excited to, uh, to sort of talk about this. I feel like I'm some kind of ambassador for the dharmic framework and this kind of ancient wisdom. Uh, I think that's part of my, my true dharma. But so it's, it's, I think it's easy. I think uh, now more than ever post-COVID, it, you know, it's like uh, nothing, it's all Maya, right? Everything is Maya. So you, you, you realize that this is all futile. None of this means anything. The only thing that matters is what's going on in here, inside of you, because the world is just a reflection. It's just a mirror. So if you don't like, and I think COVID is really a manifestation of our uh, planetary uh, cosmic consciousness. It was so chaotic and messed up, and it, it manifested into this sort of big output of, uh, right. you know, and I think the way that we were going in relation to the environment and, all of that good stuff, it was not sustainable. So the whole thing just kind of exploded um, in front of us, in our face, I guess, in, in, in a way. But uh, I think it's, it's simple to lead a spiritual life. I think you have no excuses now because now you have the time uh, to do that. Whereas before it was people are running around busy doing nothing. And now you actually have all the hours where you can set aside something, you know, to do something for your soul. Uh, some practices that I like, um, of course, yoga is, is one, but I think pranayama is more important. Uh, pranayama is a deep breathing uh, exercises. These are very simple. There are many different types of pranayamas, but you can look online even, or we get a book or, or a video and just very simple breathing technique. It right. doesn't take more than half an hour. It completely sets your, um, your system. It resets everything, and you're vib vibrationally, I think, very still and calm. And I think from that place, you feel connected, and you feel feelings of love and joy and peace. And I think from there, when you think and operate, you will always act in love. This right. much I, I have noticed that. I, I highly recommend people to adopt a, a vegetarian diet. I think it makes a world of difference. It really does on so many levels. I think. It's not about animal rights or any of that. I think in our, in the Vedic philosophy, it's much deeper than that. Uh, it's um, because, uh, the, you know, meat is uh, very dense, heavy on the system. Right. It messes with your own uh, sort of aura and field. So I think when you eliminate that and you just eat, you know, vegetarian vegetables, vegetarian food, pulses, so on, 
Uh, I just think that your mind, body, and spirit are much more uh, in, in sync and uh, that toxicity is not there so that you can think clearly. Uh, so and it's better for your health and longevity anyway. So diet is one. I mean, get into Ayurveda, like just small things. There's so many Ayurvedic things you can do for yourself. Um, you know, so uh, these are, are some of, and of course, meditation as well. If you can find a practice that works for you, whether it's a, uh, I wouldn't recommend a guided one. I think it's better to be silent. So just focus on your breath or maybe uh, get into Kriya yoga, you know, Kriya meditations. That's a very good technique. Uh, but right. also read up on philosophy. I think uh, there are so many philosophers that uh, have written great books and like autobiography of a yogi, of course, but there are so many others. There's, uh, you know, Swami Vivekananda is very good. Sri Aurobindo is very good. Uh, right. You know, and even Deepak Chopra, if, if you if you if you like this, Dr. David Frawley is fantastic. There's so many amazing people who have written about Vedic uh, philosophy because uh, that's I think what I know most. Uh, there's right. other modalities too, but uh, I know that this stuff, uh, this specific kind of school of thought is very ancient, and uh, there's just a, a connection I think to ancient wisdom that that you feel once you're sort of immersed into it. And that's been my experience. Right, right. I think I think you pretty much uh, summed it right. You know, I think these are practices which everybody should follow, you know, should it caps uh, during these times. And it's it's really uh, helpful. And, you know, it's, it's I think it also helps you uh, understand you better because I, as I mentioned, I have never done I was never able to uh, continue my meditation practice beyond a month. I, I'll break that is my break-even point at the moment. But during those days, I can sense a kind of a prevailing feeling of peace uh, throughout the day, and the way I interact with people, it's more empathetic and things like that. So it brings in a lot of things which uh, people have written about. So it's better to, like you mentioned, it's better to read some good books. Uh, about meditation, pranayama, yoga, etc., and take up whatever suits everybody, right? So that's that's a fantastic, uh, good list of best practices which I think everybody can adopt, right? All right. So uh, my next question: uh, You speak a lot about sanatanda, right? So I want to know your thoughts on the same, and even how can individuals uh, adopt more from that? Wonderful. So Sanatan Dharma is the the official name, the real name for Hinduism. There is right. no such thing as Hinduism. That's a term that was given to us by you know people who uh, foreign you know forces, I guess, who came right from the the Mughals to the British. Um, and it's originally you know Hindus or he, uh, I mean Hindu civilization, right? It was. Uh, used uh, not to define a faith, but to define a group of peoples, a group, uh, the civilization that uh, was around the river Sindhu. That's right. how that name actually came. And people just said, you're a Hindu, you know, river Sindhu, the Indus Valley, Hindu. That's how that came about. But then uh, Sanatan Dharma literally means the eternal path. And that is uh, the religion uh, that we call as Hinduism now. And it's quite large. The pantheon of uh, Sanatan Dharma is large. You may be surprised to know that even 
Buddhism and Jainism are also sort of subset of Sanatana Dharma in the purest way. I think right. at least in India, which is the birthplace of both Buddhism and Jainism, um, it, the, the line is very blurred, you know, especially I think with Jainism, but even Buddhism. And Sikhism, of course, is the uh, when Hindus had to uh, sort of arm up, uh, it became this warrior class, uh, warrior faith, I, I guess, and that became a religion and a group of its own. So they're all called dharmic faiths and they're all very connected. Uh, the the Sanatan Dharma is uh, universally uh, available uh, to everyone. It's like open technology. Uh, it's very different to Abrahamic uh, religions. I, may, I, I always say that I divide religion into two groups. You have Abrahamic monotheistic organized religions, and then you have Dharmic faith. And you have Sanatan Dharma and the other Dharmic faith under that. Um, and they talk about karma and dharma, moksha, and uh, the interconnectedness, everything is one, everything is energy. And within Sanatana Dharma, you have different schools of thought, so sampradayas, right? Um, and then you have people that even are not even into the Vedic uh, philosophy at all, but they're still Hindu, you know, um, even there's a space even for atheists, which is something that no other religion can claim. And there's no... Uh, uh, conversion or, or sort of proselytization or apostasy or blasphemy or anything like that is just a way of life. I think it's a civilization. It's, it's much more than just a way of life. Um, it's something that has uh, sort of uh, survived, I would say, all these years, which is great. However, I think uh, there's a lot going on as, as somebody who sort of speaks and writes on this and is very much in the world out there in relation to, and, and I'm looking at what's happening to, um, you know, Sanatan Dharma around the world and in, and in India, I think there is some kind of a resurgence coming, which I think is great. Uh, young people in India are suddenly very excited about anything Indic, which is good, and they're learning about their own tradition and culture, which is fantastic. Uh, in the West also, everybody is looking for answers. And the West, you know, the Western framework does not have those answers. So everybody's looking east, and they obviously they're looking at India, and this is where they seem to find all the answers that they're looking for. It's beautiful. I think a bit later down down the track, we'll probably discuss some of the maybe what's going on with the with sort of Vedic spirituality in the West, because there is a good side, and then there is a not so good side when there's a lot of distortion around it which right. is very bothersome for me. But uh, leaving that aside, uh, you know, it's sort of uh, really a, a framework, I think, for the future of humanity. And post-COVID, I think it's the one thing that uh, has kind of worked. And even through COVID, I feel like India has done better than many other countries because somehow inherently we have some of these qualities, uh, whether it's the diet or, or just uh, our how we connect with each other and so the lockdown for such a big number of people was kind of seamless in a way. It, it, it kind of worked. It happened. It's fine. People, there was an acceptance. There was a surrender. People did what they had to do for a greater good. And uh, I think uh, I would say India has done pretty well, relatively speaking, and you much better than America, which is all chaotic here. Um, so that's, that's my um, brief uh, description of Sanatana Dharma and its place in the world. Right, but I think it's a it's a very good uh, 
you know, it, it is something which I think, uh, you know, at least uh, people who are born Hindus should be aware of and should take up uh, some principles from Sanatan Dharma and start following. So my next question is a follow-up question on that. You know, these are, these are tech-driven times. Everybody is addicted to technology and things like that. So Sanatan Dharma during this technology-invested time, right? Is it possible? Is, this can is both a fantastic question. You know, such a good question. So uh, in February this year, I was a speaker for the Raisina Dialogues, which is probably uh, the, the most high-level uh, foreign policy summit in, in Asia, I think. It's run by right. the MEA in India, by uh, ORF, uh, which is the, probably the number one think tank as well in Asia. So I spoke there, and my topic actually was dharma in the digital age. Okay. And somebody interviewed me, and this person actually was grilling me because he just did not understand how spirituality and technology could possibly go together. This is before COVID, by the way. And I was right. making all these points to him. I said, firstly, Sanatan Dharma specifically is, is very tech-friendly because it's decentralized. There is no one authority on it. There's no one book, one God, one prophet, one place. It's everywhere. And that's why it survived in a way, because it's like completely um, immersed in society. You know, it's like very much part of the fabric. It's everywhere. So you cannot possibly wipe it out, uh, you know. And that's why I think it survived so many sort of um, conflicts and all of that, because it's, it's everywhere. It's omni present in a way so that's one thing the decentralization the second one is symbolism everything about you know sanatan dharma is symbols right uh whether it's the language symbols or uh you know um words or or things and you look at technology the apps and buttons and it's it's all symbols again so it's it's like uh, there's a lot of shortcuts to things that make it easy for you to like the iconography helps a lot then it's, um, you know, I think it, 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 we live in a world where I think all these leaders are, are even before COVID, right? They, they, they're all over. You don't uh, have to take yourself all the way to some ashram in southern India because all of these people are on YouTube and it's free. It's available for everyone. So right. you can tune in. And if you're a genuine seeker, trust me, even through an app, you can have a very, very meaningful and genuine experience. And you can have a one-on-one -on -one or if it's a group darshan or whatever. Uh, so, and so I was making all these points and I don't think he quite uh, bought it, you know, he just kept harping on. And now post COVID, it's like such a, a running joke. I just want to tell him, well, you know, uh, because I said, look, uh, technology is the way to go. I mean, I, I did say, if you'll have meditation apps, you'll have yoga apps, you'll have uh, apps where you've got gurus speaking and you can look at the shastras and, and recordings and all of that. And it right. might seem a little dry, but I think in these times it's needed. So right. um, I think technology and Sanatan Dharma actually go hand in hand. They, they go quite nicely. I wouldn't say the same for other faiths. I think they're much more, you need to be somewhere in front of a authority right, right. Uh, but we, for us it's much more free and very much a part of the greater society absolutely absolutely so uh, i think i think that, that's the right way you have mentioned because nowadays if, if somebody wants to uh 
be spiritual or somebody wants to learn the roots the principles and things like that there are so many good apps available these days you know the the book which autobiography of a yogi that group ananda group has one of the best apps ever they have a lot of meditations they have a lot of teachings a lot of philosophies a lot of principles to follow so that is one of the apps i like so yeah as you rightly mentioned i think it is uh, these are the best times to become a, a, a proponent of sanatan dharma and follow start following them. right all right so you also mentioned earlier about meditation so this is a question about meditation meditation is one of those practices you know it is widely uh, followed and practiced in west now more than india or anywhere else because a lot of my friends uh, speak about meditation they follow meditation they go to yoga classes and things like that so what are the, what are your thoughts on meditation practice and if somebody has to if if uh, if i have no clue about meditation where do i start so what are your yeah, thoughts so, on so yes there is a political sort of uh, aspect to this where um i think it's very uh, sad to see more of this adopted by the west than in india where i mean uh, the or- original forms came from all all meditation ultimately is um you know vedic i think in some way and uh, you know within the eight limbs of yoga you have dhyana and dharana which is focused and and meditation right, right. so um that's the kind of origins of it but again it's left india it's gone everywhere and now I, what bugs me is now the authority is also some uh you know some western person and the worst thing is that you have some atheist who's going around or atheists i should say you know who are going around and sort of uh, propagating this and doing very well by the way it's all a commercial thing for them whereas the original meditation was connected to dharma and when right. these guys do it i don't see the dharmic aspect and yet it's commercialized and yet because it's some white person uh, going on about it even indians sign up for it i think it there's a problem there um when i see sadguru i like that you know whether you're a fan of sadguru or not is a different matter the fact that it's a homegrown guru and he really is knowledgeable and then you have shri shri as well then you have yogananda parmahansa um uh, they're different very genuine um you know uh, spiritual institutions that are based in india and obviously international as well uh, i i like to see them blooming because i think whatever it is they up to uphold the dharma in the best way that they know also the Uh, their base is is bharat it's it's india and uh, because these things become very lucrative in some way and i just think that it's if all of this money is somehow funneled back to india and it's helping indians uh, in some way because these all of these big institutions do do a lot of charity whether it's feeding thousands and thousands of people or giving free education everybody is doing their bit at the end of the day it's it's ordinary indians that uh, benefit in some way from right. the wisdom that they uh, uh that they ha- that they hold and now the the wisdom that's shared around the world so i i think it's only fair karmically that that happens so i i like seeing that i like to support those kind of institutions and teachers uh so that's one thing the other is yes uh you can tap in anywhere um find maybe the, the some of these these uh, well known teachers because they are very good they have good programs um you know they have good books they have good recordings 
So check, I, I, my advice is check as many out as possible and find the one that works for you. And they are simple meditations. Maybe you can start with a guided one and then you can end, end up in a Kriya situation, you know, like with Kriya meditation or it's just breathing. Uh, find a pranayama technique that works for you. Um, this Kundalini Yoga too, which is powerful, and they focus a lot on uh, breathing, you know, right. and different types of very intense pranayamas, I, I must say. So right. uh, my advice is shop around and explore, I think. Find something that works, but find someone authentic. Don't find some, some, uh, some white guy in San Francisco who has some meditation app uh, and is making a killing on it because I just don't think that karmically or karmically that, that it holds in the end. And I'm not so sure that you're getting um, the energy because I think when there's a real uh, guru attached at the end of it in some way, I think the, the uh, sort of the shakti that you get is pure. The blessings that you get are very real and you can't get that through just some, some guy in San, I mean, <laughs> sitting in San Francisco, you know, who has some app. Right, right, got it. So better uh, check out for options available and select the right one which will work for you. And make sure that I think I think one of the best uh, uh, advice which I have got from several people who are uh, good meditators and practitioners is that make it a regular practice. Um, do it every day at least for 10-15 minutes, whatever time you can take. Or uh, there are people who have told me to even, I, I am a big uh, follower of Tichnatha, the Buddhist monk. So he uh, pro uh, propagates something called as walking meditation. So I used to do that, uh, you know, focusing on the breath during doing any activity while while uh, walking, while washing your dishes, whatever it is. So I think that also might work well for people. Right. Fantastic. So my next question <clears throat> this is a term which I found when I was doing my research on uh, dharma and things like that. It's dharmic vegetarianism, right? So you know, it's a it's a topic I could see a lot of people are talking about it. So I wanted to know more about it. what is dharmic vegetarianism. What does that mean? And how can somebody, if somebody has to uh, adopt that into their lifestyle, what can how can they do that? Wow, what a fantastic question! I was just talking to. Um, somebody yesterday, I had a podcast, and he is a, an American uh, yoga teacher and an Ayurvedic uh, 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 practitioner here. He has a great show. He had me on. We were talking about astrology, Jyotish. And also, we started talking about this aspect. And I told him, if I, I think it's always better to be um, dharmic vegetarian. I would say it's either a Hindu vegetarian or a uh, even like a... The, 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 the Brahmanic vegetarian, you know, like the Brahminical vegetarian, uh, then a Western vegan. Because right. for so many reasons, I think firstly, um, ghee, honey, and uh, cow's milk, uh, butter, you know, all these things are elixirs uh, of life. I think ghee is so pure and potent. And, and so is pure honey. And there's so many other you know, they're, they're like soma, right? They really are the nectar of life and they are very healing for the body, mind and spirit. And I think when you are a, um, you know, if you're a Brahmin or I mean, any Hindu, right? And uh, like in India, vegetarianism is different because people have these things and it's 
it's very um, a holistic approach, I think, to diet and, and nutrition and lifestyle. Whereas in the West, I think, firstly, the whole vegan movement has got it's it's got its anti um, you know killing animals. I think even the premise doesn't come from love. It's very it's the opposite of something. It's because uh, we don't want to hurt animals. Let's become a vegan, uh, and it's less of the love and respect and reverence that you have for animals. In India, we have that even uh, though we drink um, you know milk and eat ghee. We love the cow, especially the cow, but all animals, right? So yeah. I think there is a connection that we have with uh, environment and animals in India that you just don't find here in the West, and you will never because this is not their worldview. Uh, and then right. they become very militant when they become vegan, and they become very, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, virtue signaling, you know. And once in a while, I come across a vegan at some event, and then they try to go on, they try to give me a lecture on, on um, you know, veganism, I really have to shut that conversation down. Like, don't go there, man. Uh, we invented this stuff. So do, 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 I don't need to hear this from you. Um, and I tell them, you know, you, you're, uh, there's a big difference between being a vegetarian in India and then being a vegan here in America. I think you're missing out. And I look at vegans, they're very ill they're not healthy they're too frail there's no prana there's no chi there's no energy they're not getting the nutrients because also they don't have that ayurvedic um, uh, perspective they don't know their doshas right they don't know their main constitution and what will work for them and what will not so they just look at what's vegan and then they have that and um, i find them i don't think it's healthy at all i don't know how necessarily that helps in your spiritual practice so I think dharmic vegetarianism takes into account respect and reverence for animals. It also has um, uh, ingredients in it are, that are very, very, uh, very healing for your soul, uh, right. which are, are a part of our culture. And I think, uh, you know, now I find some vegans in India and I just think that's a little counterproductive. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't want to see, I think we have something that works already. I think superimposing Western norms on top of that, I think is counterproductive. I think you're missing out and you're, you're missing the point of it. You know, you, what you have, what you have actually worked. You don't need to uh, Im improve it or make it anything else by adding things that don't belong there. So this right. is my, my view on, on this kind of vegetarian. All right, all right, that's fantastic actually. Um, I've been trying to become a vegetarian for a long time. Maybe this will change my perspective too. Fantastic. So uh, my next uh, you know question will be: uh, it, it's a it's a it's again another widely accepted uh, you know methodology or process which people go through is yoga. You know, yoga is again adopted by across the globe. There are a lot of yogic schools around yoga instructors around courses being sold to become a yoga teacher and things like that. So uh, it has evolved a lot over those years, right? So what are your thoughts on the uh, practice of yoga and how can somebody, again, adopt it? If they are a beginner to the practice, they don't know anything about yoga, how can they adopt it into their lifestyle? Right. So this is a, a sort of a, an area that I'm very passionate about. And I am a yoga uh, instructor myself, uh, but I uh, uh, don't uh, teach. I just did it for myself. 
um, right. and uh, you know, uh, and I'm an Ashtanga yoga teacher, which is uh, you know uh, the purest form, I think. Uh, and then you have Ayangar also, which is very, very good and integrative. Right. Because with Ashtanga, it's comprehensive. Uh, the poses are are very um, uh, perfect, uh, perfectly sort of sequenced and all of that. And you learn a lot about anatomy. You learn about philosophy. You learn about uh, wisdom. You learn about all kinds of amazing things, which is great. Now, right. I am very bothered by uh, what's going on here in the West. Uh, you might think it's a great thing that it's exploding everywhere. I, I don't, because I think the kind of yoga that's going on, like, so I live in Los Angeles. Los Angeles has more yoga studios than in India, probably. You know, it's <laughs> crazy. Um, and in the California, there's a lot of yoga studios, but they, number one, very few of them are uh, taught by uh, yogis, you know, or, or teachers that are respectful human beings that follow dharmic values or any kind of yogic values. It's, you know, the asana, which is the physical pose, is just one element of an eight-limbed approach to yoga. Right. Yoga is simply the union, the mind-body-spirit right. union, right? And the asana is one aspect. There are seven others, you know, uh, that you have to, one has to follow, and vegetarianism is one of them, um, and so is uh, uh, meditation, too. But, uh, you know, you find these teachers, they do a, a weekend crash course in yoga or they do a two-week uh, yoga instructor course and then they, are, they call themselves a yoga teacher and then they go do teach, you know. And, but it, it's, it's very dangerous, I think, because that's one thing, you know, they're not really equipped to lead. You have to, you know, it's not just about having hours under your belt. I think it's deeper than that. I think you need to be a, a, a real teacher. But I think more important than that, what worries me is this sort of, I think it's subconscious. I don't think it's a conscious thing, but there is a trend in the West where yoga is being bifurcated from Sanatan Dharma or from Dharma. So they okay. are basically saying that it has nothing to do with Sanatan Dharma uh, and it's not religious at all. It is just some exercise sequence and it's becoming like that i think there are certain people that are pushing it i mean look the, the 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 christian church will say things like yoga is the work of the devil they they want things like um you know dog yoga christian yoga this yoga that yoga and it's becoming very distorted and in the whole mix what what people are losing is the dharmic connection the real origins the real reason for yoga you know, uh, all the other uh, philosophies that go around it, uh, how it's taught in India and its connection and all of that stuff is, I don't see that. It's, so I'm very bothered by that. Uh, I must say Corona has been really good in that way because it's wiped out all of these studios. All the right. yoga studios are shut here and, and it's only the real seekers that are doing the practice in their home. All these right. who have faked people that were doing it just to look good uh, or to pretend to be spiritual, they're not doing it. And I, I hope these studios never come back uh, running uh, for a long time. Um, and when they finally do, I hope it's the ones that have the real energy uh, in it that, that, uh, that will set up. You know, I'm sort of very um, passionate about this. And I, whenever I get a chance, I speak on this matter. I also think that India should like it 
it's taken this International Yoga Day, which I think it rightfully belongs to India. We did that at the UN, I think, a few years ago. That was great. I think India needs to set up a, a, an international yoga board, and I think all certifications need to somehow uh, loop, get looped through there, or they should put together a curriculum, and a teacher needs to train there to be able to teach it. Uh, I don't know why America has become the place where they're issuing certificates, and why did they come up with the curriculum when it's an Indian thing, and actually it's a dharmic thing. It's it, it is a religious thing. You know, I always tell people, um, you, you're not going to become a Hindu if you do yoga, and you don't have to be a Hindu to practice yoga. However, yoga is Hinduism in practice. It's Hinduism in motion. It, it's a manifestation of Hindu thought and uh, Hindu philosophy. And if you're going to take the Hinduness out of it, then I'm sorry, but I you don't call it yoga, then call it something else and change the, the form that it's in, come up with new poses and call it something else because I don't think it's fair to distort it. And I think our community and uh, whether it's spiritual leaders or the government or whoever, I think they need to put their foot down on this and not let yoga slip away from our hands because I think meditation is sort of already slipped, um, yeah, yeah. sort of hijacked by a lot of other groups. Like I was mentioning, you know, now it's atheists of all people. Again, when it's sort of a very Vedic thing, um, and unless we, uh, people like myself or, or other people, speak about this and make a big, you know, um, make some noise about it, um, people won't know. And I think people are not bigoted, and um, uh, it's not that they that they're doing this consciously. I think they just don't know. They need to be educated, and I think they will have enough humility to understand my point of view, you know, and, and respect that. Absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, you know, it, it is it is based on a uh, principle. It's it's based on something you have to follow. That you cannot just make rules according to your wish and wins and fancies, the fancies. Absolutely. So that's that's a, a very good take on yoga, right? So I next point which you already spoke about a little bit was Ayurveda, right? Because we I am from Kerala, so <laughs> we are the kind of a uh, if you talk about Ayurveda, people will say, okay, let's go to Kerala. So that's the situation in India, right? So uh, Ayurveda is very close to uh, me, uh, everybody in my family, etc. So I just want to, because we have, we have all uh, lost touch with our roots. Like, for example, Ayurveda used to be a big practice when my, during my grandfather's time and things like that. But we have moved on from there. We are more into allopathy and other medicine and things like that, right? So how... Uh, you know, Ayurveda, according to you, how Ayurveda can help us become stronger in midst of all these chaos and all these uh, Western medicines and other practices are. Great. So I think COVID has taught us again that uh, natural and uh, something that's tailored to your particular constitution and using natural herbs and uh, uh, you know, fruits and, and vegetables, every and again, vegetarian and organic, preferably, uh, is the best thing for you. I mean, the right. way to boost your immunity is through these uh, amazing fruits and herbs that are available, and it's not some uh, crazy concoction of chemicals, you know, that don't do anything, that actually do more damage. Uh, I don't uh, 
uh, I'm not a fan of Western medicine at all. I'm very lucky. I've never been uh, very sick in my life, so I've never needed to go to the hospital. And hopefully that'll never happen because I try to avoid it, uh, to be honest. But, um, you know, I try to boost my own immunity. Uh, and, you know, when you have a good diet, I think it, you should know your body well. You need to know what ails you. Usually there is one of the, you have a, a imbalance of one of the doshas, one of the elements. That's really what's going on. And it's a, it's, this is, Ayurveda is a science. It's a science that works. It's a 5,000 year old um, practice and philosophy that is, is true. And today when nothing else works, Ayurveda works. Now Ayurveda, Ayurveda is also one of those things that is very vulnerable uh, to what's happening with yoga. So uh, we've already, we have the chai lattes, we have the, the, the turmeric uh, lattes, and uh, uh, now they're adding ghee in coffee and all of that jazz. Again, it is what it is. I'm, I'm happy to see my culture uh, all around the world like this, but I'm not happy to see it sort of distorted or commercialized in the way that it is. Um, that's one thing. And then the, I think when big pharma comes from Ayurveda, that's when we really have a problem. And they do. They want right. the concoctions. They want to mass produce, um, you know, these, uh, because you have different uh, organic, uh, uh, you know, medicinal companies, herbal companies that will do it in India and here. And, and they, they do good, uh, they put out good products. But I think big pharma wants to do that and they want to mass produce it. And that's not a good idea because right. they're going to overtake it. And they're also, they'll cheapen it. They'll dilute it. You know, we know that. And also, again, it becomes a trillion dollar industry like yoga and none, none, nothing trickles back to the source. Right. I think I have a problem with that. So Indian government, again, board of yoga, Ayurveda in, in India, whatever, they, they need to do whatever they need to do legally and sort of um, with policy, I think, and protect it. Uh, I do know some people in the science um, and pharma pharmaceutical area here in America who uh, are sort of uh, trying to set up their own companies so that big pharma doesn't come. And, and these are, you know, Indian doctors and Indian scientists. So, and they're also dharmic people. And they're doing it uh, purposefully because they don't want uh, big pharma to sort of uh, take take that away from them, so they want to do it first, and I have more power to them. But I think right. Ayurveda is a, an amazing science. My dream is to come to Kerala one of these days and do a maybe a retreat. I think that would be amazing. Absolutely, we can arrange that. Don't worry about it. Fantastic. So uh, you know, um, I have taken too much of your time actually. So I have one more question for you, and okay. then a personal question. So my last question related to our topic today will be, can spirituality help individuals become confident in who they are and their purpose? And if yes, how? Great question. Yes. I think what, when you, um, firstly, when, when you, you know, spirituality is ultimately understanding that you're not the mind of the body, but you're the Atma the spirit that resides inside, right? So um, when you know that, then you, you, number one, you know that you're connected. So there is a sense of connectedness and some peace that you get. So you're not competing with the world, you're not fighting with everyone and you don't have this selfishness and greed and envy to you. It's much more sort of um, 
you know, uh, you just feel at one. There's a oneness, which is a beautiful feeling. And I think when you operate from that space, you're operating from love. But also when you kind of go into your own practice, you, I think you learn about yourself. I know in my, um, you know, whether it's yoga or, or jyotish or pranayama or whatever, I've come to know about myself. You know, who is Preeti? What does she want? What does she like? How does she think? Who is she? Why is she here? When you know about yourself more, I think you will be more honest with yourself. You'll be authentic. You will uh, make decisions based on uh, tr the truth. So you make better choices in life, I think. So that all helps you to, to be more effective in life and also helps you to be a, a more honest person. And I think when you know who you are, you become confident. I know I'm very confident. I have always been like this. But I think when I was younger, I was, uh, it was more obvious, like it was more overt, I think. And now it's very sub subversive. It's very uh, introverted, like a quiet confidence, but it's deep. And it's anchored, it's rooted in a very, very deep place. Like I really know who I am and my purpose. Nobody can take that away from me. No one can tell me anything different that they can't tell me I'm not that all, all these things that I know myself to be so I think spirituality ultimately makes you um, you know know yourself better and I think then when you find out what your dharma is uh, then and you walk that path and I think there's a lot of confidence that you know that you're living life on your terms you're doing what you want to do you're uh, you're you're following the universal plan and everything is usually more beautiful that way so I think it is. Um, it does contribute to to real confidence. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Because I think spirituality, uh, based on this discussion, I'm saying it, it. It once you know who you are and what you're born to do, I don't think anything or anyone can uh, push you away or throw throw a curveball at you, because you are clear on your path and your journey. Fantastic. And. Uh, uh, my last question, uh, this I ask every guest who comes here because of this special period we are in. How has COVID-19 impacted you? And oh, you know, COVID has been such a godsend for me. It's been, oh. it's been good for me. So I have been um, more busier in the last three months than I have in the last three years put together. So wow. it's, it's been, I have been nonstop. Um, I've done, maybe this is my hundredth podcast i have been doing almost every second or third day i have a media engagement and an interview a podcast all around the world that's great so i'm all, all over people are finding out about me i've been writing a lot my work has been published in hundreds and hundreds it got some of my pieces got syndicated so now they're appearing in hundreds of outlets around the world so that's great um you know, I've been invited to give lectures to thousands of students on uh, Sanatan Dharma, but also other topics as well, including politics and also uh, geopolitics and things like that. So, and, you know, to university students is great because it's so many people will tune in. These are young people and you want to connect and engage with them. And they're Indian, they're, they're in America, they're in Australia, they're everywhere. So I've really enjoyed connecting with young people. I'm writing a book. So this has been a great time for me to do a lot of reading, a lot of research, and also work on my book. So that's going along, and I hope to get the book done in the next few months. 
so that before COVID is over, the book is done. Uh, yeah. And I've been healthy. I've been happy. I've been, uh, I've had time, I think, to really uh, take some, like, do the things that I w wanted to do. Like, I live in Los Angeles and I work in Hollywood. Here, everybody's busy doing nothing every day. I remember, <laughs> you know, six months ago, you know, every evening there was a gala, there was a party, you go there and you just, you have these meaningless conversations and people are just completely uh, consumed with their insignificant life in a way. And just the, they were so uh, immersed into the Maya of it all, uh, you know, is this illusion that Hollywood, and now that it's all gone, the whole industry is, um, is been affected. There's no galas, there's no parties, there's no launches, there's nothing. Uh, people are, they have, and they're struggling, they're struggling so much. Uh, it's very sad, you know, to see all these elite people are uh, really no grounding. They're very depressed. Some people are very addicted to all sorts of substances now because they can't cope. But for me, it's been great. I've had time to um, work uh, on things I wanted to, to think, to connect. I'm networking with all kinds of uh, uh, people, uh, there people are. I think I put myself out there more, so lots of people are reaching out, and I'm uh, getting connected with different causes and and uh, institutions, uh, much higher echelons of society, let's say. So it's been good for me. I've been healthy. I haven't been sick in the whole time. Um, I did go to Vegas last week, which was amazing, and I want to start traveling again uh, because I trust that I'll be safe and it's fine. So uh, yeah. I, I miss the international travel aspect of it, but other than that, it's been great. Fantastic. That, yeah, that's why I asked you because I know that you travel quite a lot. So COVID has put a full stop on everything. Fantastic. So I look forward to your book as well. Uh, I'll obviously get it and uh, take take my, take some notes from that also. And thank you uh, so much for joining uh, today, Apriti. It was fantastic. I've never heard. I've never heard somebody speak about all these topics which are very deep in such a passionate and authentic manner so i'm so grateful that you joined me and uh, obviously i'll be following your work and uh, let's stay in touch thank you so much thank you so much and thank you to your audience and i just urge them to find me online and uh, i'm sure we'll, we'll share some uh, links find me on twitter i'm extremely active there find me on youtube i have my channel uh, i have my radio show too and please I write a lot on spirituality and culture and Indian culture. Please find my, my pieces there all over the internet. Just Google my name and the topic and uh, the pieces will come up. Uh, and of course, I'm on Facebook. So reach out to me. I love to engage and hear from people and get feedback and you know have conversation with you guys. So uh, uh, look forward to having more conversations. Absolutely. absolutely. Thank you so much, Priti. You take care and stay safe. All right. Cool. Namaste. Thank you. All right, that is Preeti Upala. A very weird start uh, for today's session. I ran late and uh, my internet has been kind of tricky for the last couple of days. Anyways, uh, it was such a deep conversation. Uh, she's so much passionate about topics like spirituality, sanatan, dharma, etc. I think we all, as individuals, it's time, it's high time for all of us to go back to our roots pick up the right practices and make it part of our routine. I'm going to do that. I do that. Actually, I'm going to take it up more. And 
Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks for listening in. For more such exciting episodes, please follow the Thrifty Marketer podcast. See you soon.